0: Welcome to Steadfast, a pro life podcast where we talk about how the pro life movement is evolving and how you can participate. Our goal is to empower you with knowledge of science, philosophy, politics, and theology so that you can go out and lovingly change the world, even if that's just one heart at a time. Our hope is that you'll feel comfortable meeting anyone wherever they are at in this moment, confronting their fears and hurt with love and compassion. I'm your host, Sammy Carroll. Education Coordinator at Life Choices Women's Clinic in Phoenix, Arizona, and our prayer is that this podcast inspires you. Welcome to Steadfast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Steadfast. Today we are talking to Joel Stepanek, who is the vice president of parish services at Life Teen International. He has written books. He has given talks to thousands of teens across the country, and he is just such a blessing and an inspiration to me as a former youth minister and to, you know, just me on a daily basis. And he has such a passion for getting teens to be involved in the pro-life movement and just ultimately to get them to heaven. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Joel Stepanek. Hey, Joel. Welcome to steadfast podcast.
1: Hey, Sammy. It's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Of course. I knew that out of anybody to talk to you about how to reach teens, I think that you were my obvious pick.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm uh, I'm actually flattered by that because there are so many people doing really great work with youth ministry right now. Um, And we need it.
0: We need it. Amen to that. Well, tell us about yourself, what you do for a living, and tell us about your family um, and how it's growing, and just tell us everything.
1: I love that. I'll start there. I am married to a woman named Colleen. We have been married for almost 10 years. Uh, We celebrate 10 years this year, actually, on September 8th, the Nativity of Mary. Yeah, very soon, which is so cool. And it seems like yesterday and also a million years ago you know, that we were married. We have two children outside of the womb, one getting ready to make his grand entrance. Elijah's eight, Sophia is six, and Micah James will be Mike. with us at the end of August, unless he is stubborn. Then maybe we'll push it into September. We'll see. Oh,
0: you think he could come late?
1: Yeah, Sophia, our second, actually was eight days late.
0: Oh my gosh. And then I... when she
1: was ready to go, she came in like record time.
0: I did squats. It was I was, I was like, you're coming out early. Let's go. I was <laughs> and I knew it too. I was like, we're not, we're done. Let's go. And they they both somewhat cooperated. Not, I guess neither of them really cooperated, but yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: So that's uh that's our family. Um we live out in Phoenix. We love it out here in the desert. And right now I'm the vice president of pair of services at Life Team. So I serve parishes who are looking to reach young people. Uh, The team that I serve helps uh, parishes create sustainable youth ministry and lead teenagers closer to Jesus. So that's been unique work over the past couple of years as the landscape was already shifting, but it's changed a lot more since 2020. And that's been unique and good work to be involved in. I also write, uh, travel around and speak, and I do a little bit of leadership consulting, which I've really enjoyed lately as well. I like to help parishes and nonprofits and religious organizations do their best work. And that comes down to leadership and organizational culture. So. um, And
0: communication.
1: And communication. It's all part of it. So. Oh yeah. I like to do that stuff as well. I've uh, been blessed to get some chances to do that.
0: That's very much needed. I feel like every parish that uh, I've worked for, I've desired that for them to have somebody come in and be like, let's talk about the organization communication. And, you know, let's, kind of make a effort together for that. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Wanted
1: well, yeah. not to get like too off topic, but I mean, like we're, we're talking about pro-life stuff here, but like creating a culture of life, I mean, like it, in an organizational culture, um, you have to be intentional about that. And I think people would be dismayed perhaps and scandalized to see how a culture of life often doesn't exist within our religious organizations because we think, Oh, that's just uh, baked in. Right. And it's not like, that's not how organizational culture works. And if you want to build a culture of life, a pro-life culture at a parish, you have to be intentional about that um, among other things. But uh, that's my.
0: Yeah. Brief think- rant
1: about that. We could go down
0: that route. Oh, I know. I'm like another podcast. I think that the best healthiest staff I've seen actually is the one that had uh, each staff member had a holy hour each week. And mm-hmm. that one was probably the the best staff that I've been a part of. Um, so anyway, this episode is largely geared toward youth ministers, um, maybe some teachers and definitely parents. So I think that, you know, a lot of people are going to find this all useful. But many of us grew up in the pro-life movement, but the movement definitely looked different back then than the movement today's teenagers are growing up in, especially after the overturn of Roe v. Wade. So what are some of the key differences?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about this when roe versus wade was overturned with the dobbs decision i texted my mom um because my mom was a part of the wisconsin uh, board for right to life she went to the marches and the rallies and did all that stuff when i was young so like from a young age i was pretty aware of what we were fighting for what she was doing what she was a part of she shared uh her experiences with me of those rallies and having people just do demonic things quite honestly like uh you know at their worst and then it you know, the most benign yelling, insults, spitting, throwing stuff. Um, and so I was aware of it. And uh, and I really am grateful for my mom for bringing me up like that. And I think for a lot of us, you know, maybe we had parents like that, or we went to youth conferences where we heard about the pro-life movement and um, what abortion was, why it was so necessary to oppose that and to be um, champions of life, especially the most vulnerable life, the child in the womb. And so many of us heard, and my mom would say, and we heard at youth conferences, I remember speakers saying it and my youth minister saying it, you know, one day we'll overturn Roe versus Wade. And there was a period of time there too, I think, where some people were like, well, you know, maybe that's not going to happen. So what's the next phase of this if that becomes codified? And so it was wild that day. And I was sitting in my garage. I was, I was supposed to work out, but I was just on my exercise bike, just pedaling slowly, like refreshing. <laughs> we're mm-hmm. like, I know the decision's coming today. And I saw it and I texted my mom. I was the first person to actually tell her. But it was weird because I'm like, wow, like this actually happened. Like we we did see that overturned. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm, one I'm, of the key I'm, differences that. though is as teens, we were the um we were fighting to get something done. Like we're fighting, hey, we've got to overturn this law. And then on the flip side, there was also this, hey, it's legal. So we have to figure out ways that we can support. Women in these crisis situations, so they don't mac- make that choice, right? Mm-hmm. I think the shift now is that young people are going to experience a much different kind of rhetoric than we did. So, even for us when we were teenagers or young people, because we weren't on the side of uh, the law, essentially, like we were saying, hey, this shouldn't be, this is not okay, this shouldn't be legal, uh, but it was legal people weren't like there wasn't the same opposition. I think that young people are going to get, but now, I mean, there's going to be vehement opposition where before as a teen, I could be like, yeah, I'm pro-life and people like, okay, that's your opinion, whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't force it on me. And you know what? You can't because legal it's legal. So that's how arguments would end. It's legal. So you can think what you want, but it's legal. But now if somebody says I'm pro-life, it's you're repressive, you are uh, hurting women, you are hurting people. You are, uh, ancient, you are out of touch, you are out of sync. And so I think it's going to be actually harder for teenagers to be pro-life over the next couple of years because of the blowback they will get. And I think that's one of the key differences. It was hard when we were young, but now it's going to be very difficult because of the side of the law that they're on.
0: Yeah. I was actually thinking about this uh, question and I was thinking about kind of like the the flip where um, I feel like When we were growing up, I kind of associated the pro-life movement with a bit more aggression, like where we're going to stand with our posters and we're going to like be kind of have to be heard, you know, like I I feel like it was kind of um, we had a fight to be heard, I guess, especially since it, it was legal, whereas now I'm like, we have to become more humble and quiet about it. Almost not quiet, like we need to be speaking up, obviously. But I mean, we need to change our rhetoric where it's more of a gentle, let's talk about this and have a loving, compassionate, merciful conversation.
1: Yeah. I think it's leaning into aspects of the pro-life movement that have always been there, that have been there for the past 50 years of the people who are like, okay, maybe they weren't called to the legislative side of it as much as some people were. And we've needed those people who have been advocates and, uh, who are in law and who understand, I mean, all of that went into this decision. Mm -hmm. Um, but there have been people also who have been like, okay, like what I'm called to, I don't know a lot about that. I will vote for it. I'll, I'll vote in favor of people who will support this. But what I'm called to do is run the crisis pregnancy centers and run the sidewalk counseling and walk with women through this. And that's where I'm going to lean in. And I think we have to lean into that side of the movement, the, which is, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, n- not something we're used to, because like you said, it's, um it's always been there but our posture is going to have to be one uh, where we really emphasize compassion. And not that we we haven't, we certainly have, but that uh, we really bring that to the forefront because the picture that's being painted is these uh, old men are mm-hmm. trying to control women's bodies and they don't care about the child or the woman. And that is, could not be further from the truth. Uh, it's so monolithic and wrong, but I agree with you. We have to emphasize okay. that that facet of this yeah. uh, diamond of the pro-life movement.
0: We've also been told, oh, you're just pro-baby. And I think that one of the things that I've seen over just the past couple of months is the switch to focusing on the mom because that's the pro-choicers' concerns. And like, I'm, we're, of course, we've, we know that we've always been ho- concerned about the mom. But I think uh, even just the taxic- tactics of how we talk to pro-choice people, uh, I've seen a lot of people kind of, okay, sure, let's focus on the mom. Let's talk about why this isn't going to be good for her. And so I think that um, is also another key difference. So Gen Z, as we've established, is very different as a whole than millennials and Gen X. But what are some key differences and how do they impact the ways that we share a pro-life message with them?
1: Yeah, I think Gen Z is profoundly empathetic, which is really good. Um, Praise God for that. I think there was a cynicism among Gen Xers. There was um, not a nar- I don't want to say narcissism or entitlement with millennials, and that again, the generation talk is a whole different thing, right? Yeah. But I think millennials very much had a hero mentality, which was good too. Mm-hmm. Um, but for uh, but it could leave people behind. I think sometimes and a millennial be like, "I'm the hero. I'm the protagonist of the story." And so if you're not on board with that, you gotta you gotta hop off. Um, and I think what's unique about Gen Z is that they are empathetic. And they desire for people to be cared for. And I think in that, that's where the fight happens and why we have to help a young person understand what the pro-life movement stands for and how to, and you had said it before, how do we live that compassion for the mother and the child. I, you you'll know, love them both. Because if we don't, that is definitely going to be a tactic that the other side, the pro-abortion side is going to use. And you already cited it of like, well, what about this? What about this? Uh, and like situations that play on the compassion, which we do, we of course do as well. But people have to know how to treat those situations. So this summer I um, have been traveling and speaking at youth conferences. And one of the workshops that I talk about deals with pro-life issues. I talked about three things. I talked about abortion, racism, and euthanasia. Um, I think euthanasia, just as a side note, is going to become a bigger issue in the next 10 or 15 years. Um, we have so many baby boomers. You'll hear it. You're, yeah. you're going to hear that in the United States. Um, but afterwards, so many questions came in about abortion and they were all Questions of relationship and compassion. What about cases of rape and incest? What about uh, you know of uh, ectopic pregnancy? What about when a mother's life is in danger? Um, wh- and I mean, one guy was like, "What if like a mother's in poverty and and all and I mean, all of those things. None of them had to do with rights. They all had to do with like the person and how do we love the person? How do we how do we have compassion in this moment? I think that those are key pieces with Gen Z. That if you can help them understand what's happening here help them understand the philosophy of life the breadth of the pro-life movement that it's not just a theistic movement there are atheist pro-lifers um that suddenly they'll be like oh the compassionate thing is to defend life at its most vulnerable and in doing so we also serve moms and you know and by the way like to get teens asking because they're act they're active they want to promote social change to say well why don't you look into how much your state funds crisis pregnancy centers you should look into what what your politicians voted for as far as funding for uh, women who are in crisis situations or single mothers or people in lower in the lower lower socioeconomic strata you know what are we doing for them um and i think you'll find that perhaps it's not adding up and that's and that's anything we can lobby for and, and put our efforts into
0: I think also they are so receptive to the science behind it, mm-hmm. where they—I mean—you can convince them just on that. And I keep on saying this, where I'm like, it's not a religious argument. I mean, there's definitely that aspect, and there's a reason why Catholics have been really the forefront, you know, leaders of the pro-life movement for a long time. But we have the science, we have the technology, and I think that will change them their hearts. But I—I I do love that about the Gen Z generation that they—they they will rally, and if they rallied for the pro-life movement it would be such a game changer like they they have so much uh com- like like you said empathy and but passion they they want a cause to rally behind
1: yeah and that's a great note because i think the science piece is key um because because it's science versus rights and my civics teacher used to say your rights end where the rights of another person begin so it really is that debate but a lot of young people do not know that they're caught up in twitter instagram tiktok rhetoric
0: oh man the the misinformation that's spreading I've been trying to post a lot of neutral things like anybody who knows me knows where I stand, but I've been trying just to give information, just to try to give Mm -hmm. people peace because people just don't know. So what are some of the challenges, speaking of a challenge, misinformation, what are some of the challenges we face in promoting the church's teaching on pro-life issues with these young people? And are there any tactics that we should avoid because they could really backfire?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. One of the challenges that we will face is, and you mentioned it earlier, of uh, the idea that, oh, you're only pro baby. And I think that that's a, a real, the reason why that's a pervasive argument, especially for young people, is young people value authenticity, especially Gen Z. Like they want authentic people because they've seen so much inauthenticity, especially from adults, from church leaders, from politicians, from celebrities. Like, Every single day, there's, it seems like there's one other person like, Hey, remember you thought this person was great up. They're not. And so they're asking that same authenticity from the church and authenticity for them is consistency across the board. So one question I got asked in this workshop, talking about euthanasia doesn't really make sense that Catholics are so pro-life when I know so many Catholics who support the death penalty. Okay. You're right. That's an incongruency. Like it it is. Mm -hmm. And teenagers will spot that. And I think, unfortunately there are times that we let our politics align a little bit, uh, drive our pro-life perspective a little bit more than they ought to. And that doesn't mean that we can't ask questions and dig into some things. But I think when a teenager sees somebody speaking vehemently about uh, pro-life issues and then posting, and again, these are just pieces of things I've seen, not an indictment of the movement at all, but, but I think in people are, are flawed. So people say something like, uh, people are posting pro-life, 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 you know, anti-abortion stuff, which we need to be vocal advocates about that. And then they post something that is not even like neutral or a non uh, a non post, but like a thing about how racism doesn't exist or how, you know, or like they get into an argument where they're like, well, here's the thing with the death penalty, though, you know, uh, it, they see that and they're like, wait a second, that doesn't seem congruent. That doesn't seem right. And like issues of dignity of life. And uh, for some young people, the treatment of the incarcerated for some young, you know, for many young people, racism as an issue. Like these are things that they also want to know. Well, what do you think about that? You know, tell me what you think about this issue. And I think that's where we can talk about the dignity of human life why there is often an emphasis on abortion as vulnerable life, as how destructive that is, as it it's the termination, the, the murder of a human life. And then we can talk about these other things. But I think what happens is when our politics align and that's driving things, we can't speak eloquently about the beauty of Catholic social teaching about the pro-life message. And then teenagers see that as an authentic. They're like, well, you're no, you are a one issue person. And that's what this side's been telling me the whole time.
0: Yeah i think they're also very good at spotting the hypocrites which i i mean i remember being in high school when uh some of my core members as like in life teen, you know were doing questionable things like i i was like wait a second Mm -hmm. but you gave me that talk and like what and so i mean i think that teenagers are much more perceptive than a lot of people give them credit for and i think that you're absolutely right i think one of the challenges also that i have seen in the my former teens is a little bit of apathy um Mm -hmm. i have literally been told like what's the point they're not going to change their minds and um also just the incredible fear of rejection you you touched on that too where it's just it's going to be so much harder for teens to be pro-life in this uh culture in this environment now So what key moments do we need to prepare teenagers and young adults for as they engage in conversations about pro-life issues, especially abortion?
1: Yeah, I think the one one key moment is we need to prepare them for the moment when a friend, family member says, I'm going to go get an abortion like and and uh, and again, when I I do this, when I speak to young men, anytime I give a men's talk, um, as long as it's not completely out of left field uh where it's like wow you're just forcing that in um i talk about abortion and i talk about racism um am talk about those two things because i think for young men they need to know how they stand up for the dignity of those around them and as i talk about abortion i note that you're gonna have a moment of uh, many of you where a friend a family member whatever says i'm gonna do this and it, like in that moment you need to be compassionate you need to commit to walking with that person. And I think that's the moment, one of the key moments we have to train both young men and women for is like, what do you do when a friend says this? Because their instinct is going to be, I want to support my friend and who am I to tell them what to do? Mm-hmm. But if you can give them like, okay, here's how you find the tools and the resources. Here's how you locate a crisis pregnancy center. Here's here's what you say and what you don't say. Here's how you commit to being present. And here's oftentimes what that young woman is feeling and what she's hearing and how you can speak into that with compassion, but compassion demands truth and justice. It. I still have to speak truth to you. And I, I have to, I have to make sure that, that we remain in right relationship, you know, um, with, with you, with the Lord, with, with this child. Um, I had a young man after I gave a talk like that a couple of years ago, send me a message and he was like, that happened. Uh, he's like, you know, that situation. And uh, I did those things. And then the next picture was a picture of the friend, not his girlfriend, uh, just a friend with her baby. And he's Aww. like, and that's, and I'm like, but that's a, that's a 19 year old guy at the time who was ready for the moment who had fixed in his head, who had kind of dispelled the lie. So I think another key moment for young men is like how to respond when somebody says, this isn't your argument, you mm-hmm. you have no say in the matter, uh, how they can articulate why that's not true um, and work through that argument. So he knew that, that this was his place to defend life, both the the his friend and her unborn child. And, um, I think that it was beautiful, but I think we don't talk about those things. We kind of say, Hey, like this is important, but we don't give people the talking points of the argument. So I think the moment somebody says they're going to have an abortion for young men in particular, the moment somebody tries to present the argument, this isn't your choice uh, because it's not, you're not a woman. And then I think just when they get into academia and spaces of higher education, like teaching them, here's how you have a philosophical argument. And here's some of the things you're going to hear and why those are not good arguments, even just shutting down the most basic things. Um, Cause they're going to have that moment and to be able to not get flustered and speak articulately could actually be a moment of conversion for other people. Because if they're like, Hey, like, well, why don't we talk about this? Like, let's find where we both stand uh, as far as our values. And then let's dig into that a little bit and figure out how we can maybe come to understand one another. And when young people can do that, you, there, there is a chance that you can convert hearts and somebody might say, wait a second, I haven't, I haven't really thought about things that way.
0: Yeah. Well, first I just want to thank you for including that in your, your guy sessions, because it just, I, I feel so bad for men really because they're just being told by the media or the left that it's not their conversation to have and how are especially fathers supposed to feel about that um if their girlfriend or wife is pregnant um we i have a uh an episode with father kurt Pereira about healing Mm -hmm. ministry and about healing that needs to happen for men so i just think that's really great that you um, include that shameless plug uh life choices is also starting um a leadership group for teens and i'm a philosophy and english nerd so we're going to go through all the arguments and the i love teaching about logical fallacies mm-hmm. i've uh, taught a couple semesters on logical fallacies just so that they could have those arguments and then i make them do debates and we're going to do debates in this uh this group um to try to prepare them for those conversations but did you i mean t- did you get a little teary eyed when you saw the babies i feel like you had to have a, like a, a praise god moment
1: I did and I was I was inspired because I'm like that you know as a as a 19 year old 20 year old man, like that's a scary thing to do. and like that guy stepped up. and so I was like, wow, like I need it It convicted me where I'm like, man, I gotta pray for for fortitude because and again it'd be, and I, I always note that it wasn't his girlfriend because I'm like that it's a whole different level like this isn't his yeah. baby this is this is a guy who's like, no, I'll stand with you. I'll yeah. stand with you in this oh, to the, to the end, you know, he's like, I was there at the hospital. I'm like,
0: Oh,
1: like, right. But I mean, like what happens if you train young people in that type of compassion, mm-hmm. you know, but I think it, it happens through even like, again, the philosophy, the formation yeah. and not under underestimating that this is a thread that can actually unravel people's faith. If, uh, if this one goes, cause they're like, well, yeah. if the church is wrong about that,
0: what else? or if they're being hypocritical or right. in, inauthentic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so as we mentioned, a lot of youth ministers, parents, maybe teachers will be listening to this. How can we all really continue to grow in their our understanding of life issues? And what are a couple of habits that you think are just non-negotiable for a pro-life leader?
1: Yeah, I think a couple of things are, one, to know the arguments, the the, the philosophical grounding of these things yourself, well enough to articulate them and teach them. These are not talking points you see on Twitter or even in the news, um, that's the first thing. The second skill is to learn how to, and to teach others, how to drill down onto primary sources from news articles, even if they're news articles that agree with what you're saying. And you're like, Oh, like that's a cool pro-life article. Cool. Look, Like what are the primary sources? Because you want to cite those things and know, you know, if a study comes out saying X, Y, or Z, well, why does it say that? Mm-hmm. Um, and just to do that with any news is a good habit to be in. Um, I think in understanding, how all again? How the church's teaching applies to all life issues, and how we can teach and navigate those conversations as well. Because, like I said, if you're very articulate with um, abortion, that's very important. But there are other issues teens are going to ask you about to test your consistency. Well, tell me what you think about this. You know, tell me what yeah. you think about um, this thing that happened uh, about this this school shooting. Tell me what you think about about you know this um, this black man that was shot. You know by police tell me tell me what you think about that and those are sometimes conversations we're uncomfortable with because like oh i haven't i haven't done that work uh but we need to do that work because for teenagers it's they're not asked they want to know what you think and they want to learn but they're also testing you to see are you consistent because like this thing is an injustice they they know that but they're like do you think it's an injustice and sometimes if we don't if we haven't done the work there or like euthanasia is another one, um, uh, uh, the death penalty, if we haven't done the research there, then we resort to like talking points to our preferred political party. Yeah. And that, that is, is not always, that's not a good thing. They'll uh, see through it. They'll see through that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So
1: I think that, and just to pray, to stay pray, prayed up. And like you said, not to be hypocritical, to, to recognize that our holiness, we have to shine before others. And, um, and in doing so, like to live that joy, to to show compassion, uh, they'll know us by our fruits. And I yeah. think as you see the vitriol from other people uh, and, and another side of this, I think, again, teens will start to see the contrast of like, wait a second, that, that doesn't seem right. Um, so live compassion, live joy. And I think that that, you know, by their fruits, you will know them.
0: I think, additionally, one of your favorite topics. You have to be humble, uh, especially mm-hmm. when you're asked a question and you might not know the answer because you haven't done the work. I, it's it goes a long way with teens to say, "Good question. Let me let me go do my research. Let me um, let me get back to you." Even because I think that they appreciate that you're not just trying to spitball an answer that might not actually be um, accurate or a, the best argument or a good representation of what we believe.
1: Yeah. And you can do it. You can, there's an affirmation in there too, right. To say to a teen, that's a really great question. What mm-hmm. a, what a smart question to think of. Um, and you know, it's such a good question that I'm gonna have to dig a little bit on that. And like you say that to a teenager, they're not going to be like oh, this, whatever they're going to be like, wow, like I thought of a good question mm-hmm. and they're actually going to go do the work to figure that out. Cause it was such a good question. Like I, that's a win-win all yeah. the way around. But uh, you're right, It doesn't happen without humility,
0: and they care about me enough to actually go research and come back yes. to me. like they're going to remember me, which yes. I think goes obviously a long way. So where my last question, where have you seen God, especially in the past few weeks in the pro-life movement?
1: I really think it is in a lot of the young people who um who are passionate about this. and again, even encountering them at events, there are people who ask really good questions, whose hearts, are are, are, again compassionate for people who need some direction and then there are young people who are like have hit the point where it's like well this is just unfathomable that people are Mm -hmm. even opposed to this decision and i'm like praise god like that's you know where and again there's still compassion where they're like yeah like i'm not i'm not hating on anybody but where they're like no like i i've accepted that this is this is wrong and we have to do something about it and i think that i've just encountered more teenagers like that and i'm like okay that's that there's, there's something very hopeful
0: about that. Praise God. Well, Joel, where can we follow you on social media or get your book? You've got multiple books. Um, where can we find all of your fantastic content? I was just telling Joel, uh, before we started that he's just been posting some really great content on Instagram. So can you share us your handles, all that good stuff?
1: Yeah. You can follow me on Instagram at chasing humility on Twitter at chasing humility as well. I have a friend who's trying to convince me to get a tiktok account i don't know about that but if i do it'll probably be chasing humility but at chasing humility is where you can find me or my website joelsteponic.com um, if you're interested in serving together and bring me out to speak and talk about any number of things uh, you can shoot me a message there
0: awesome well thank you so much for all of your wonderful things that you had to say and thank you for spending the time to talk to me on this podcast i'm sure all of our listeners are really um appreciative as well
1: it was a gift thanks for having me sammy
0: no problem Thank you, bye.